Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, this morning, um, let me take you back in time, if you will, to a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth about a year earlier. Okay, so so we studied the, the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, then a year later he's writing 2 Corinthians, we know what had happened, but I need to take you back, right? Here's why. If you recall, here's what I want you to put on your thinking caps, okay? The church of Corinth, okay, how did it start? Well, it started like many other churches that Paul uh, basically came... Uh, came through. It started there, and he planted. He came, and basically, he spent um, some time there. He preached in the synagogues first, and then he went uh, uh, to the open square, and he was telling people about Jesus, and this is new, and this is incredible, and he was super excited, guys, and he preached, and guess what? People heard, now listen to me, people heard the gospel, Okay, they weren't impressed with the way Paul looked. They weren't impressed with how eloquent he preached. They heard the gospel. They heard the good news that their souls can be saved, that they could be forgiven, they could be restored, and they could spend eternity with Jesus. Do you guys remember how that was? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel? Do you remember it's like, what? I can be saved? Wow. Remember when you accepted Jesus into your heart, how glorious that was. You felt like a weight came off of your shoulder. For some of you, it was standing in, in front of a platform with a pastor. For others, it might have been happened at, at a baptism. However it was, do you remember? They heard the gospel and how this church, this ministry had begun. And so when Paul, he establishes the church, but then he leaves. And when he leaves, check this out, guys. The church went through some major problems, okay? Now, if you recall, there were five major Big problems in the church. Five big. There were some minor ones too, but there were some crazy stuff. Okay? And here, let me, let me just say that. Here's what I love about the Bible. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, 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 and this man said, well, you know, men wrote the Bible. And I said, no, I'm sorry, sir. I beg to differ. I said, men penned the Bible, but it was inspired by God, and it was God-breathed. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because the Bible isn't afraid to tell you how it is. Right? Like, like, I gotta be honest with you. If I'm Peter, if I'm Peter and I'm writing a letter, I'm gonna leave stuff out. Okay? Like I deny Jesus, like, hey, that never happened. Right? Because we're we're real, we're self-preserved. Well, I, I don't want people to think bad of me. I don't want people. But the Bible's like, no, Peter's like, yeah, I did it. And I went out and wept. I mean, it was crazy. And I love this. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that Paul says, listen, there were five major problems that we talked about, okay? And one of the main problems, you guys ready? It was related to sex. Oh, we don't talk about sex in the church. We don't talk about sex. No, 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 he did. But specifically sex, sexual immorality, okay? The word immorality, guys, if you're taking note, it's porneia. We know all about that in our day and age, but Paul's going to deal with that. He's going to talk about marriage. He's going to talk about singleness, but here's what he does. In chapters 5 through 7 of 1 Corinthians, guys, there was a huge problem, okay? You go, what was the problem? There were a number of people in the church sleeping around. In other words, they were having sex and they weren't married. Oh, well, I'm under grace. Now, here was the major problem. Here was the biggest thing that Paul has to deal with. One guy was actually sleeping with his stepmother, which is trippy, which is crazy, but that's what's going on in the church. And Paul gets wind of it, and the leadership are like, yeah, we know. We're under grace. Praise the Lord. Wait, you heard what? You did what? And, and, and so Paul says, no, no, I, I, I've, I've got I've to deal with this. Now, I draw your attention to this, okay? I've taken you back. I've drawn your attention to this. Why? Because what Paul is going to talk, this is actually the subject in what we're going to study today. So Paul takes us back. I want you to notice the problem. Guys, look at 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1, okay? 1 Corinthians 5. Let's see what the problem is. It says, it is actually... What is that? Reported that there's sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles. What's the problem, Paul? 
This man has his father's wife. Ready? Another translation reads it like this. Now, it is actually being said that there is sexual immorality among you so terrible that even the heathens wouldn't be guilty of it. Well, what's the problem, Paul? I am told that a man is sleeping with his stepmother. And again, this is crazy. Okay? This is sin. This is going on in the church. Right? And the leadership is kind of like, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. They're kind of sweeping it under the rug. And Paul says, no, 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 this is, this is what's going on. And, and here's what I want you to see. He says, listen, it's been reported. It's not hearsay. It's not gossip. I didn't read it on Facebook. Somebody didn't Instagram me or Snapchat it. I was told this is what's going on. He says, it's been reported. He says, man, and it's, and it's so bad. Like even the heathen wouldn't. It's like, no. And what Paul's heart is going, he says, hey, guys, listen. Here's what the gospel does. The gospel comes in and it transforms us from the inside out. You're supposed to be changed. I'm not sure what's going on. And here's what I've heard. I've heard that, that possibly a man in your church is having ste- sex with his stepmother, possibly divorced from his father. So it's not good. It's not good. Look at verse 2, guys. He says, and you are puffed up. You're puffed up. You know what that phrase means? It means that they're going around going, hey, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, church is going great. Yeah, but you, you got some issues. You got some sin. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. We're good. We're good. Praise the Lord. God's grace in my life. Pray. No, no, no. Paul says you guys are puffed up. He says, now listen, and not and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. He's going, what? I want you to notice that phrase, taken away from among you. Everybody see that in your Bibles? You go, what's that? Here's what you can write next to it. Excommunicated. That's what it means. Okay? It says, you can write excommunicated from the church. He's saying, listen, you guys are walking around prideful because this is going on in the church. And he says, no, 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 no. You guys, are, you shouldn't be, you should be mourning. And this fellow should be excommunicated from the church. You go, wait a minute, pastor, time out. I thought we're supposed to build the church. Listen, I'm, we're supposed to invite people and we're supposed to have a bunch of people fill the chairs and this is what we're supposed to have. And you're telling me, well, here's why. Here's why. You guys ready? Jot this down, okay? I want you to jot this down. Matthew chapter 18, okay, verses 15 to 20 talks about something called church discipline. Church discipline. Okay? Now, some of you may have heard that, and some of you may have not heard that. Biblically, here's what Jesus told us about church discipline. Okay? It says that this is what we should be doing. Because church discipline, the goal of church discipline, guys, is not so much discipline, but to restore the sinner back to fellowship. We don't take church discipline to use it to dem, to, uh, in damnation and say, well, you're never going to be, you're never going to amount to nothing. You need to get out of the church. Boo. It's to restore them back to fellowship. Guys, we don't, we don't see that today biblically, but let me, let me read this to you. Okay. Listen up. Listen. Tune in, Christian. Tune in because in Matthew chapter 18, the Lord Jesus says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Did you guys catch that? Alone. Here's what we do today. Well, I can't, I can't believe you. And so-and-so did this. And, so-and-so, and, and, and we have division. So all of a sudden you get some people going, yeah, I'm on your side, pastor. Yeah. And then you have other people going, no, well, I'm Anyway, he says, if somebody sins, go to him alone. If he hears you, listen, ready? You've gained a brother. You've gained a brother. That means he heard, oh. He's not just hearing you with his ears. He's hearing you with, oh. Oh, now, l- l- listen, listen, I'm excited about this. Here's why. Because there are some sins that I, that I used to do that I had no idea was a sin. And then I was like, oh, 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 oh. That's a, okay. So it's, but there's other times when you knew exactly what you were doing. And you knew. And then you were, oh, oh. Hmm. Verse 16 says, but if, but if he will not hear you, what should you do? It says, take one or two more. 
by the word of mouth, two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Okay? So church discipline says, oh, he's not hearing me. I need to take the leadership of the church and go, listen, we need to try to win our brother back to the Lord. Pastor, they're ganging up on me. The leadership came and they told me how awful I was. Remember, what's he doing? He's having sex, fornication. He's sleeping with his stepmother. So the leadership comes. Hey, listen, 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 bro. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, two or three witnesses, this is going to be established. He says, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, I know what's going through your mind. I know. Matthew said, judge not lest you be judged. Don't you? No. He's saying, and in order to restore a brother or sister back into fellowship, fellowship with the church and fellowship with God, he says, you need to tell it to the church. Hey, listen, so-and-so, he says, but if he even refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. That's not how it reads. That's how we want to read it, right? Well, if he doesn't want to listen to you, shine on him. He'll be a heathen. No, 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 because heathen and tax collectors need Jesus. Come on, somebody. Right? For such were some of you. So we go, oh, okay. So here's how we're supposed to treat him. Here's the thing, guys. Here's what should have happened. Here's what should have happened, guys, with the guy in 1 Corinthians, this should have, they should have established this. The first thing they should have done is they should have mourned over that sin. Why? Guys, listen. Sin fractures everything. It always has. Okay? If you, if, if you want your marriage fractured, allow sin to take hold and take root in it. It will. Okay? If you want your life to crumble, allows, this is what sin does. This is what sin does. And this is why when we go back to Genesis 3, we're just, it, it's, it has to impact us because we should, we should be mourning over our sin. We should be broken. I can't believe that. I can't believe. And then, and then Warren Rearsby says, and, so, and then we need to judge that sin. Okay, because it's one thing to go, yeah, yeah, you know what? It's okay, we're, we're, we're mourned over. Yeah, I feel so bad, I feel so bad. You know what the word mourning means, right? Where you just feel heartbroken and, you know, like when somebody dies, that's where we get the word mourn. You're just like, oh. He says, but we need to judge that. And then he says, you know what you need to do? In verses 6 to 13, he says, we need to purge that sin. We need to purge it. Out. Out. Here's why. This is what's coming to mind. So many people want to make that sin their pet because it's not hurting anybody. What's that? It's my pet sin. Do you, you want to see him? Do you want to see him? Here he is. Look. Isn't he cute? His, that sin's going to grow up and hurt. No, he's not. It's, it's okay. It's little right now. Sorry, it's little. Do you, no? But what happens, guys, is he says this sin is going to grow, and what does it tell us? It's going to when it becomes full grown, it's going to bring forth death. That's what it's going to do. It wants to kill us. It wants to kill us. So what happens to marriages that are, that are 30 years, 40 years, all of a sudden you hear, hey, we're not, we're not to get you. We're married for 40 years. What happened? Sin creeped in, and it, it brought forth death. We have to go, oh, okay, okay, okay. So, so. So again, what should we have done? Should, we should have went to the guy and said, hey, listen, here's church discipline. Listen, here's what you got to do. So Paul, knowing the word of God, when it comes to sexual immorality, I'm telling you, he says, this is wrong. This is wrong. And he's telling the leadership, you must simply not look the other way in hopes it goes away on his own. He says, don't do that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring it out in the open and deal with it in the authority of Jesus. Now, what's the goal of church discipline? Restoration. Bringing the brother into a brokenness relationship back to church, back to God, back to fellowship. Okay? It's not just, so, so, so here's what he's saying. So you go, well, how should he do this? Well, look, look, look at verse 5, guys, of chapter 5. Paul writes, deliver such a one to Satan 
for the destruction of the flesh, that a spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. What? Look what Paul says. He says it means put him out of the fellowship with God and those in the church in hopes of being fair game for Satan. Why? So he could repent and return to the Lord. That's key. That's key. So Paul says, listen, this guy, you 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 have to discipline him out of the church. And the hope is, is that he, he comes to know Jesus, and he, and he repents. Everybody say repents, because that's what's key, repentance, okay? Repentance. So Paul prescribes, excommunicate him through the church discipline. Here's for the reason, for the purpose of brokenness in the Lord, repentance from sin, and so he could be what? He could repent, be forgiven, and be restored. That's the goal. Any other way we use Matthew 18 is wrong. Any other way we go, well, let me tell you. No, it's to bring a brother back into the fold. That's what Paul is saying, okay? Repentance, restoration. You go, okay, so what happens? Well, think about this. Think about this, right? When we confront somebody, we could do it in a biblical manner like Matthew 18. We could go to him alone, brother, you, you know. Or we could, I mean, however else we do it. But two things happen when we get busted. Anybody with me? Two things happen. You go, what's that? It could produce, the Bible says, worldly sorrow. You ever have worldly sorrow? You know what worldly sorrow is? You're, sorrow, you're sorrowful that you got busted. You got caught, and now you're busted. And that's what it is. That's worldly. I mean, ah, so what happens? I feel bad. Do you feel bad for what you did? No, I feel bad that I got caught. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad now that I did it, but, I, you know, I mean, I could have kept doing it if I went to got busted. So what do I do? What do I do? Or it can produce what? The Bible says godly sorrow. What is godly sorrow? Godly sorrows, I, I cannot believe I let myself go for. I need to come back to Jesus. I need to come back to Jesus. That's godly sorrow. Well, let me show you how it works, okay? There's a guy in 1 Corinthians. We know what he's doing. Amen? Okay? So they obeyed Paul. They obeyed him biblically. Everybody got that? And what was the goal? To restore him back to fellowship. Amen? Okay. So how does this look? We're saying goodbye to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians 7. I want to show you how this plays out because it's just laying foundation of what we're going to talk about today. Okay? So in addition to as he laid out the five major problems, notice what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. Paul writes, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, there it is, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Why, pastor? Everybody say, why, pastor? For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's a big difference. Okay? So Paul says, wow. So here's what we learned. Here's what we learned. You guys ready? Okay. Jot this down. We learned that this fella back in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we learned that he was excommunicated. He was delivered to Satan. But he repented. That's a good place for an amen. Because that's what happened to us. That's what happened to us. Okay? He repented. He saw that. Oh, he's like, oh, that's my, that's my stepmom or whatever it was, right? I, I, mean, I mean, for us, right? For us. The reality is for men, the reality is for women, is that sexual immorality, the word porneia, is where men, eight out of ten men in the church struggle with pornography. And we like to keep it hidden 
And then sometimes what happens? Sometimes what happens is we go, what? Oh, I got caught. So what's it going to do? Is it going to produce worldly? Oh, I got busted. Or does it bring repentance? Oh. You've heard so many times when somebody gets, uh, somebody gets confronted or caught, they're relieved because they're not, we're not good at hiding sin. We're not good at, at, and so when we get caught, we go, Thank God. I mean, it, the consequences, but they go, oh, thank God. Now I can deal with this. Now I can deal with this. So this fellow repents. You go, well, Ben, what does repentance mean? Repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs, which is accompanied by a commitment to and actual actions that show improve a change for the better. In other words, let me give it to you this way. He's walking this way. Repentance is, and it's a change. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a commitment to turn. Everybody got that? So this fella in chapter 5 got busted, was, was church disciplined, asked to leave the church, the pastor called all the other churches and said, "Don't this guy has not repented. He's sleeping with his stepmom. Don't let him in your church. All the other pastors said, amen, we're with you. It's biblical. This guy found himself going, oh, man. And he repented and came back. He said, I'm so sorry. That was wrong. I'm so sorry. I've, saw, I've seen the error of my ways. I'm going to change. Okay. So what does that mean? Okay. He's repented. So if you're taking notes, let me give you two points concerning the forgiveness of the sinner. Okay? You go, what's that? Well, God has a recipe for forgiveness. God has a recipe for forgiveness. You go, what is it? Mercy, grace, and love. You're going to see that in the first few verses. Mercy, grace, and love. Here's why. Everybody look at me. Here's why. Because sometimes when we exercise church discipline or any type of discipline and we actually see a repentance, we're still harsh on the person. Although they came back to God and said, God, forgive me, they repented. We're still crossing our arms and furrowing our brows and going, let me see. And we're still really rough on them. We're still really rough on him. Guys, let me tell you this story real quick. Let me tell this story. And I love my dad. He's with Jesus now, but I love my dad. But I remember the first time, the first time I ever uh, interacted with forgiveness, okay? I was just a little tyke. All our friends in the neighborhood, all the neighbors were going, there were a bus that come by, Temple Baptist Church would come by and pick up all the kids and take us to church. Well, I didn't want to be left out. So I said, I'm going to go with my friends. Now, we were raised a certain way that you didn't go to another church. You guys know what I'm talking about. Rosa, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, but I wanted to go with my friends. So, dad, dad, can I go? Can I go? And he was like, and you know, he didn't go. If you want to go, go. So I got on the bus. I remember, went to Temple Baptist Church, learned in Sunday school about forgiveness. I remember, learned about, I I never knew forgiveness. And then I sat in the big service, and I saw people got saved. Had no idea what saved was, but I learned about forgiveness. I remember getting on the bus going home. My dad was still a little angry. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I remember, oh, I got to apply that. I got to apply the word of God. Here's what I learned. I learned about forgiveness. And I said, Dad, um, will you forgive me for going? And I'll never forget what he did. He crushed me. Because he said, what for? You already did it. All the biblical stuff that I learned was I was like confused because here I am just a kid, right? And I'm like, that's not how forgiveness is supposed to work. I just, now my dad, bless his heart, he didn't, he didn't understand it. You know what I mean? It was, it, was, it was a dad. It was like, I told you not to do it. You should have done it. But, but God's recipe is not like that. God's recipe is what? It's mercy and, and grace and, and love. And love. And then he, and, and then the second point I want you to write down, guys, is it's God's design for what? For restoration through repentance. 
And I think repentance is key. And I'll tell you why. How many of us, without going in, you don't have to, how many of us had, had, had habitually sinned and just asked the Lord to forgive you without repentance? Oh my goodness, I remember. Not you, pastor, I know, I know. But I remember doing stuff, knowing I'm doing it, Tony, and then going, oh God, please forgive me. Because I didn't want Jesus to come back that night and me not be forgiven. Only to do it again the next day. Just me? Come on, can I get a witness? There we go, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. We did it, we're just like, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it. Okay, I'll do it again. <laughs> and, and so there has to be, right, there has to be what? To restore us, there has to be genuine repentance. Genuine repentance. So as we come to our study today, we see Paul teaching us the recipe for forgiveness. And here's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to share in hopes, guys, that we will hear what the Spirit says to us. Okay, let's start in verse 1. Okay, if you recall, this was kind of a continuation from last week, so let me get a good run and go. Okay, let's pick it up in verse 21 of chapter 1 because he's going to keep going, okay? It says, now he who establishes you in Christ has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Moreover, I call God as a witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Look at verse 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy for faith you stand. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Not that we're in charge of how you live your faith. He says, but we're partners working close to you joyfully. Joyfully. Now, listen to God's recipe for forgiveness. Starts with mercy, grace, and love. Look at verse 1. Paul says, but I determined within myself that I would not come to you again in, uh, come to you in sorrow. For if I made you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? Guys, do you see Paul's heart? Okay. Why, pastor, do you keep bringing up Paul's heart? Here's why. Because Paul has the heart of Christ. Okay. And instead of going, Paul's just going, listen, I, I, can't, I don't want to come to you again. And, and Listen, Paul's not thinking of his own feelings, but he's thinking of the feelings of others. We have two ways of looking at this. We could go, Paul is the apostle. He has authority. He should have said, listen, I started this church. You guys need to do what I told you to do. It's enough. Or he could say, listen, here are my precious people, the heart of God. And he says, man, I don't want to see you sad. Because when you're sad, it breaks my heart. And I find joy in you guys because we're, we're in this together. What does the apostle Paul know that we don't? What's he, what's he operating in? What's his operating system that we don't have? It's the gospel that transformed him inside, and he knew. He knew that people were messy and broken, and, but he knew that God loved him. That's why, guys, I preach from the pulpit, guys, and I say, listen, I don't want us to be a church that judges people. I want a church that let, we'll let God handle that. But what our job to do is love people back to life. Love them to the place where they're, where they're restored, where they're walking with Jesus, where they're living victoriously. That's what we got to do. And it starts from the pulpit here, but it, it, it's all of us. How are we going to love those that are broken and messed up? And, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're furring our brow at them or we're raising our nose and we think, well, you're not doing it. We need to love them. Listen. They don't look like us. They don't look like it. They're, everybody's de- That's the beauty of it. They're broken. And Paul's heart, Paul's heart says, man, listen, I determined, guys. I determined within myself that I'm not going to hurt you anymore. I don't want to come and hurt you. You mean that much to me. Because here's what we need to understand, okay? Let me take a step back. I told this to somebody yesterday. I said, listen, I don't know if you know this, but all of y'all, all of y'all are in ministry. You know that, right? 
You're in full-time ministry. That's what the Bible says. Okay? I'm the equipper. I'm going to teach you God's word, but you're to go out and do the work of the ministry. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay? So what does that mean? Here it is. In Christian ministry, okay, those who bring us great joy can also create for us great sorrow. And this is what Paul was experiencing. He rejoiced when people were coming to know the Lord. Oh, yes, God, this is amazing. Paul, God, I can't believe I'm in Corinth and people are coming to know you. God, we're building an amazing church. This is so good. This is so, oh. But note Paul's heart here. He says, man, listen, I decided that I didn't want you all to be super bummed if I came again too quickly. If I cause you sorrow, he says, guys, then who's going to make me glad? Of course, if you're sad, he says, then I'll be bummed too. I'll be bummed too. Notice verse 3. He says, and I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I come, I came, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you that all my joy is the joy of y'all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears that you should not be grieved, but that you might know the love and which I have so abundantly for you. Do you see Paul's heart? Guys, Paul's heart says, man, when I wrote this, the paper was dripping wet because I was crying. That's how much I love you. And it breaks my heart when sheep go astray. I know, I know the path. And I've sat in my office where I've had people, they cross their arms and they're mad at me because I'm trying to reel them back in as a shepherd. I'm like, please don't go, please don't, you don't go down that path. And I have people say, man, listen, you're judging me, pastor. Don't do this. Or you don't have the right to tell me that. Listen, this is what God calls shepherds to do, to shepherd the sheep and to say, please don't go down that way. Please. And Paul says, listen, here's, here's, listen, here's the recipe. I, I said, he said, listen, I love you so much. I'm just, I'm really upset. I'm really bummed that you guys are bummed and I don't want to do that. He says, he says, listen, You don't know how many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you know the love. Paul says, I wrote them a harsh and painful letter. And Paul's heart is broken over this. Yet we see God's love over all of it. What was Paul's greatest desire? Guys, that they would be reconciled and that they would obey the word of God that the discipline to the offender would bring purity and peace to the congregation. Hey, next time I come, there he is sitting in the front row, excited to hear the word of God. And that the church would come alongside and go, yeah. Why is it that we tend to want to bring up everybody's past? Why is it that we say, well, do you remember what you used to do? Do you remember how you used to live? Why is it that? And yet, and here's Paul's heart. Paul's heart's like, look, that's me. That's me. Here's the thing. Can we, shoot, can, can we be real in church? Can, can we be? People are hurting and broken right now, aren't they? They're really hurting. Okay. So, 2019, seems like so long ago, I used to preach that we felt like we're in a pressure cooker. You know what I mean? The world as it is. You could see some stuff. And then what, what they did is they added COVID and corona, and, and that just, that stressed all of us out. Okay, our stress level went. So, where are we at right now? And so, all of a sudden, guess what? 
They add riots and protesting and everything. So, so everybody's just at their boiling point. The whole world is. And it's not even, it has, it, it didn't have to do with rioting or protesting or anything like that. It's anything. You talk to somebody right now and they, they'll just, they could chew you out and you're going, whoa, where did that come from? All I said is, have a nice day. Don't tell me what kind of day to have. And you're just like, what? Are you okay? Are you okay? And then they'll go on to tell you, boy, I'm tired. I'm stressed. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. And now we have to, we go out to eat. Tiffany, we go out to eat. And they have paper menus. <laughs> what? What is that about? And, and not only with the paper, and they don't have salt shakers on the tables anymore. You have to ask for salt. I mean, what? Because the restaurants, and you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and I went for a haircut the other day, in case you all didn't notice. And, and they had to take my temperature, and I decided, everything's different, but we're, we're here. We're here. So what do we do as Christians? Guys, we've got to offer some grace and extend some of that grace. So are you okay? I understand. Let me take it a step further. Offer yourself some grace too. Because sometimes, sometimes you'll, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you. Sometimes you'll um, go off on your husband or your wife and it has nothing to do with them. You're just stressed, and all of a sudden you're like, well, let me tell you something. You left your... And you're just, he's... Sorry. And then, and then you think about it, you go, I am so sorry. I don't know. I mean, I just... We just feel like we need to. So offer yourself some grace. It's okay. You're living in a whole different time. You're living in a whole different world. Okay? Offer yourself a little bit of grace. Offer yourself a little grace. So what's he doing? Guys, he's saying, listen, I love it. I'm glad. Um, he said, I wrote to you guys, and, and, and it was a pen dipped in tears as he wept over that letter. I think about Paul. You can jot this down. Look at it later. I, I think about when Paul's writing this. He's remembering Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. He's telling him, listen, I love you. Guys, we've gotten in our world, okay? We've gotten in our world where we can't tell somebody the truth anymore. We can't tell somebody a, a, loving, a loving truth. Like, we, we can't go and say, you know, Adam, you're in front row, so I guess I got to use Adam, that beard, that beard, bro, that, that beard. I mean, I know you've been growing it for a month, but really... Because then Adam won't be my friend anymore. Do you see, we can't tell people, not that there's anything wrong with your beard, bro. I love it. I love it. You look Jewish, and uh, we won't talk about the cookie in the, in the, there. We just. But Paul says, you know what? Faithful are the, listen, let me tell you. With the goals of restoration, let me help you. Dare I say, we're so wounded that when somebody says something to us, we get really, um, guarded. We get guarded. And so it's really hard when somebody says, hey, by the way, um, let me just watch your blind side because this is where the enemy wants to come in. Well, don't tell me what to do. And instead of going, okay, let me, let me pray through that. And, and, and am I preaching to somebody? Because I think I'm pre- preaching to myself right now. I'm just like, uh, Now, before we move on, very quickly, think about this. In chapter 1, okay, Paul's theme was comfort. Remember, we talked about comfort during COVID and cancer and all those things. But here, guys, he's talking about love. He's talking about love. Okay? Paul teaches where there's love, there's always a burden to see others enjoy the very best. That Where there's love, you want to see people grow. Okay? I can't tell you how many times 
pastors have wept over wayward Christians. I can't tell you. Now, apparently the Corinthians responded to Paul's letter by disciplining the person most responsible for Paul's rebuke. Okay? They did that. He repented. And now Paul encourages them to forgive and to comfort the offender. Okay? So what was his design? Here's the key. The key is repentance. The guy did it. Okay? He's broken and come back. And so Paul says, okay, guys, here's what I want you to do. You need to comfort the offender. Okay? You need to forgive them. Look at verse 5. Here's God's design, okay? He says, but if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. What's he saying? He says, I'm not overstating it that when, when I say the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. And so if, if, if love, listen to me, puts others first, just like we saw in verses 1 through 4, love always puts others first. Love also seeks to see a person grow. That's what he's saying in verse 5. I love what Pastor Warren writes. He writes, I find it amazing that Paul, listen, didn't mention the name of the one who caused division. I was like, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Paul wasn't like, hey, you know Steve? Steve's the one who did it. Make sure you comfort. He doesn't do that. Why? Because they knew who he was and, and nobody else needed to know. You and I would be reading 2 Corinthians going, what, what does Steve do? Did he really sleep with a stepmom? Are you kidding me? Here's what love does. Love does not want to belittle. Love doesn't want to hurt. All Paul says is, listen, listen, I instructed you to do it. You guys did it. You guys did it. And now he repented. So what should happen? Look at verse 6. The punishment which is inflicted by the majority, guys, is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought to rather to forgive and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Listen, the punishment of church discipline produced brokenness in the man's heart. He repented, and now it's time to forgive him and comfort him. Do you guys see that? That's what he's saying. And what he's going to do, listen to me, if you're taking note, he's going to give us three solid reasons. What? Three solid reasons to forgive the repentant man. Now, here's what I want you to do. Put on your thinking caps, you that are watching online. Let's just say that the man was right here. This is the man. There's nobody there. There's a man right here that was, was causing all the problems in the church, was bringing division in the church, sexual immorality, all of that. But now he's repented because you all did that. And so now he's sitting alone and Paul's saying, guys, forgive him and comfort him. Pastor Ben, I don't know about that. Because what if he does it again? You know, once a sinner, always a sinner. Once a thief, always a thief. But Jesus transforms us, doesn't he? So, so, so he's repented. That's the key, okay? Because I know what you're thinking. You guys are thinking, well, what if he just says, oh, please forgive me, but he hasn't really repented. Am I supposed to just forgive him and comfort him and bring him back into our lives? No, what was the key? The key was brokenness and repentance. And so now he's sitting with a broken heart going, I want all that God has for me. And so Paul says, I see that. And so, and so let me give you, let me give you three reasons. You go, what's that? Jot this down. For his own sake. If you love people, it's for his own sake. Why? Lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. What does that mean? That means, listen, 
that he's sitting there and he's overcome by so much discouragement. I cannot believe what I did. Listen, let, let, let's shoot straight, okay? When we, get, when we get convicted by God and we know that we've sinned, we're really hard on ourselves. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I hurt my wife this way. I can't believe I hurt my husband this way. I can't believe I hurt my friend this way. I can't believe I did that. And we're really, really broken. And almost in a way, guys, he's going, listen, be, be careful because the looks that you give him, what, what could happen? He just become discouraged. How many of us know somebody who messed up early on in their walks and have become discouraged in that they can't, they can't, they can't do, they can't follow Jesus anymore? And you're like, oh. So Paul says, listen, listen, church, ready? You need to reaffirm your love to him. You need to reaffirm your love. How do we do that? How do we do that? Guys, forgiveness. Forgiveness is the medicine that helps to heal broken hearts. And it was important that the church assure this repentant member of their love. Here's why. Listen, let's bring, it, let's bring it to our lives. Every one of us in this room has done something that we're not proud of, we're ashamed of, but we've been forgiven of, and we don't need it thrown back in our face all the time. We don't. What we need is somebody to go, I know. I know. That's what I, I mean, we're, yeah. Maybe mine wasn't like your sin, but I sinned. I don't know how many times, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I wanted to be Superman and make the world go back, right? Circle around so I could fix the wrong that I did. And so again, I want to know that God forgives me, but I want to, I want to know that I'm amongst forgiven people. Why? Because forgiven people are forgiving people. When we realize that God has forgiven us, we can't help but go, who am I? Amen. Let's walk together. So for his own sake, forgive him, take him back, says the apostle. If you don't, Satan will overburden him with too much sorrow. How often Christians confess their sin yet fail to believe that God will forgive and forget. And again, okay, so, so let me, it's not the, okay, I'm going to sin. God, please forgive me. I don't want to get left behind and then go do it again. God, please forgive me. I don't get left behind and then do it again. And God, that's not repentance, okay? That's not repentance. That's just trying to, just, I, I bet the Lord is like, go ahead. I just thank God he didn't come during that time. You know what I mean? I just like, thank you, God. He didn't. Okay. Okay. It's a genuine repentance where it's like, okay. Okay. Guys, we have two examples in our text. Two, 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 two people examples, right? Same scenario. You know who they were? Peter. Peter denied the Lord Jesus. He even cussed. Did you know that? I didn't think Peter had it in him, but he was a fisherman. He probably had it. He probably cussed once or twice in his life, but he cussed, right? And what happened? What did Jesus do? Jesus restored him, Peter. You know who else was convicted? But Satan got a hold of him? Judas. And what a Judas. Judas had every opportunity to repent and come back to Jesus. I know my Jesus would have been like that. Hey, Judas, no problem. Come on. But the sorrow was too great that he went out and he hung himself. Didn't even give the body, the brothers, a chance to restore Judas back into Philip. He just went out. Do you guys remember Peter? Here, here, here's a funny, here's a, here's a great. Do you guys remember Peter, Right? When Peter said, Lord, is that you? Walking on the water. Do you guys remember that? 
right? And the Lord's like, dude, it's me. Come on, get out of the boat. Remember, all the other disciples were in the boat too. And they're probably going, Peter, Peter, (laughs) right? So Peter got out of the boat. He began to walk on the water. Guys, what happened to Peter? He took his eyes off the Lord, started to drown. Do you remember his words? He says, Lord, help. The Bible says the next scene is that Peter's in the boat. And the disciples were so disgusted with him that they were taunting him and teasing him. You go, it doesn't say that. No, it doesn't. You know what it says? That they worship the Lord. Why, why, why weren't the disciples going, Pete, really, dude? You thought you could walk on water? Hey, Adam, did you see Peter? What a knuckle brain, right? <laughs> they didn't do that. Why? Because they knew Pete was already humiliated, wet, almost drowned. They just worshiped the Lord. They just restored Peter. Why? How many of you know who Ben is? You go, I know Ben. You know Ben, right? He's a sinner saved by grace. Amen. I know who Adam is. Rose, I know who I know Joe, right? We're sinners saved by grace. And so we can do life together. That's what we say. Let's do life together. Let's do life together. Okay, second point, real quick. Not only for his sake, but for the Lord's sake. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you're obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I indeed have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. What's Paul is saying? Now think about this. In the case of the Corinthian church, they were worried, guys, that if that they would offend Paul by forgiving the one who offended him. Well, you, you know what? You made Paul mad. <laughs> you made Paul really mad. And if we forgive you, Paul's not going to be. Paul's like, no, 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 no. Listen, whoever you forgive, I forgive. It's for the Lord's sake. Why is it for the Lord's sake? Okay, obedience and for the sake of our Lord Jesus, Paul says, restore one back into fellowship. Here's why. Why is it for the Lord's sake? Here's why. Because sometimes we think repentance is a work. You got to repent. Oh, that's a work. So I'm going to work. No, no, no. Repentance isn't work. Okay, repentance is an act of obedience to the word of God. Forgiveness for the sinner is based upon who the Lord is and not on us. Why is that important? Because I want to rest in the fact of what Jesus did and not on my works. How many times have you heard somebody go, well, he has to forgive me. I did this, this, and this, and this for him. Well, he should forgive me because I did this, this, and this. We get that, right? We get that with our kids. You guys know, right? If your kid does wrong, what does he try to do? He tries to make up with, with several good things. Well, you grounded me, right, Mom? You grounded me? But I went and I folded the clothes and I made my bed and I did this and I did this and hoping that you'll go, oh, well, yeah, you did more good than bad, so you're forgiven. You've forgiven the kid, but it has to be for the Lord's sake. Last but not least, number three. Is found in verse 11. It's for the church's sake. Look at, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices, right? So he's going, listen, we're going to forgive him for our sake because we don't want Satan to outsmart us. We're familiar with his evil schemes. We're going to forgive him for our sake, right? One commentator put it like this. One of Satan's devices is to accuse the believers who have sinned so that they feel that their case is hopeless. That's his device. Why would God ever forgive you? You know who you are. You know what you did. You guys see what I'm saying? That's exactly the device. And so we forgive. Why? We forgive for his sake, for the Lord's sake, and for the church's sake. Because the church is the called out ones, guys. He's called us out of the world, but he's called us to do life together. He's called us to walk in unity. He's called us to hold hands and to lock arms. He's caused, he, this is what he's called us to do. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, listen, whatever you do, make sure it's wrapped in love. 
And when, and when you and we forgive somebody who's going to mess up and they're repented and they come back, let's show them the love of Jesus. Let's show them. Let's restore them. Let's get them walking. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but I bet, I bet there has to be a group of men that goes, hey, listen, can we disciple you in this? Because, brother, we don't, we don't want you to go that way anymore. We love you. And listen, you come over to my house every Tuesday at, at 5, and we'll go through the word, and we'll make sure. And I'll call you up and say, hey, how you doing? You okay? You need anything? This is what God is calling us to do. So as we close our Bible study today, guys, remember, chapter 1 is what? Based on comfort. He's comforting us. But chapter 2 is all about love. It's forgiveness. It's knowing who we are so that we can love where other people are. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. When an offending brother or sister is disciplined according to the Bible and repents, then the church family, guys, must forgive and restore the member as a family. And let's be careful not to bring that stuff up again. Let's be careful. Because that's who we that's that's what the enemy wants to do with us. Let me tell you who you are in Christ. Let me tell you who you are. You're blood bought. You're sanctified. You're forgiven. You're restored. You belong to him. No one can take that away from you. The enemy can harass you. He can try to tell you how awful you are. You know what I do? I agree with him. Amen. You know what a sinner you are? Yes. I'm not arguing with the devil. I know. Well, how come you know? Because that's, then I go, that's why Jesus died. Because he knew this is exactly who I am. Yeah, but you're the pastor. That's even crazier. I agree. But Jesus died and he restored me. And there's nothing you can do about it. Why? Because here's what we need to leave. Listen, if you're all here and you've repented from your sins, you said, yep, I repent, then you're forgiven. And so as our world gets crazier and crazier and crazier, you can smile and you can be rest assured that you're going to go home and be with him for his sake, for his glory. Isn't that crazy? Right? Because who would pick us? Who would pick us? Only Jesus. God would, only Jesus would pick us for his glory. Because the opposite team is going, I would never pick someone like them. And God goes, I would. Watch. 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 Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. You're so gracious to us. Thank you for forgiveness. We accept your forgiveness, God, on the basis of you, who you are and the cross of Christ. Thank you for your word, God. We look forward to next week when you want to speak to us even more. Thank you for those that have made it out to Calvary, God. We pray for those. If you're watching online, I'm praying for you specifically right now. Lord, I pray for those that are watching online, maybe those listening by podcast, that they would receive your precious forgiveness and be restored into your family again. If any of you have walked away from Jesus or feel like you're a million miles away, know that your one decision to come back to him, all you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to come back to you. I come back. I want to come back. I want to come back. And the God and the Holy Spirit would draw you back into the family. And we as a family will just embrace you and tell you how much we love you. So if you're online and you're watching and you've never given your life to Jesus, then His precious Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart right now. And you say yes to Jesus. Lord, forgive me and come into my heart.
I surrender to you. I give my life to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, man, we believe that you're born again. We want to know more about it. We want to walk with you. So make sure you drop us a comment, send us an email, whatever it is. I love you, man. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.